Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Stacks of Cash podcast. My name is David Duncan. Again, I have Jay Cohen with me today. Hello, Jay. Hello, Dave. Hello. Been a while, been a while. Yeah, it has. Uh, we've been here and there and everywhere uh, <laughs> with family matters, and uh, I had a new kid, and you're up in Wisconsin, so uh, life is good for us. Um, you know, today is October 11th, uh, 2022, and the last time we did a market update, I was just going back to our files, Jay. Uh, we did Inflation Nation a year later, which was quasi a market update, just showing where we were in the market. When was that? That was July 20th oh, is when wow. we did that. Okay. So, so it's been it wasn't, a little bit. Yeah, it's been a little while. But, you know, I, I just want to take the audience back to where we were at that time. And so back in August or uh, July 20th, the market was down 17%. When I say the market, the S&P 500. Today, October 11th, we are down 25%. Wow. So... Things did not get better. They got a little bit more challenging since the last time we did a market update. And what we want to talk about today in our market update is what is causing the volatility downward in the market? And what is our expectation for where things will be in the next, I don't know, three to 12 months? So Jay, what ha- what has happened since July 20th? Uh, are things better, worse, the same? <laughs> you tell me. You have all the answers. Ah, Dave, Dave, Dave. You know, I wish the crystal ball was clearer today than what it what it has been in the past. But you, you know, look, here's the deal. Um, we the bo- the market bottomed out in June. It was the end of June of this year. It bottomed out, yep. and then we had a decent rally. I think we recovered a pretty decent amount of, of time that, or, or, or returns there. We did almost half. We almost retraced half of yeah. the, the the returns we lost. And I think some of that was on the expectation that maybe the Fed was going to have done its job in terms of slowing inflation down. And that didn't turn out to necessarily be the case. Mm-hmm. And so, as we've said for many, many, many years in our 401k review meetings, you know, two things. A, uh, when inflation becomes front page news, the Fed will have to do something. And that box has clearly been checked. Right. And secondly, uh, the Fed will they will create the next recession. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of how it works. And uh, I'm not saying that we want to embrace that, but we do think that this is a little bit different than the, the last few that we've seen in the sense that it's kind of your more everyday average kind of deal where where inflation is really a function of there's just too much money chasing too few goods. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, we were, we, were, we were down 20, then we recovered half, then, then we were down 17 or whatever it was. Yep. Now we're down 25, right? Yeah. And this market is so hard to predict, uh, especially since most of the data uh, that everybody's looking to is the consumer price index. And so, as you mentioned, we had a nice one good positive print on the CPI. And that helped us get half the gains back. But then we got a couple bad ones in a row. And bad meaning they're a little bit hotter than expected. And so you saw what that has done to the economy in the, in the stock market. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. So we want to talk a little bit about, like, so what's driving this? What are, what are we doing to prepare our clients, ourselves, for, for what we see coming up in the next six to, to nine months or yeah. so? What, what are we... What are we what are we seeing that's driving that? So I, I mentioned just a moment ago that the, the the Federal Reserve, and we've discussed this in prior podcasts, where the Federal Reserve creates money by by 
we, we call it printing, but the, the kind of the way they do that is, is, you know, the, the Treasury supports Congress in terms of Congress's spending. So they mm-hmm. issue bonds. And if there's not enough natural market buyers and the Fed comes in and they buy those bonds to kind of manage where the interest rate's going to be. Okay. And that, and that's, that's exactly right. So, so the, the Congress creates all this money by passing these bills. And then the Fed comes in and supports that by buying these bonds. Okay. So that's one thing. Now, on the other hand, while they're creating money mm-hmm. with, 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 with supporting Congress's actions, on the other hand, they're trying to take money out of the economy by raising rates. Right. So when, when cost of money goes up, just think about your own personal situation. If you have a line of credit or a credit card, your payment goes up, and that takes money out of the economy. So it's right. almost like it's almost like if you're filling your bathtub, and you have like five water hoses in it, filling it up, but you've got one drain that's letting the water out. Eventually, you're going to overflow. All this money is just coming and coming and coming. So, so creating lots of money creates inflation. We've covered many examples before, right. Dave. What's the other thing that can create inflation? I've covered the supply of money side. What's the other thing that could occur? Well, the supply of money for one, but also when you have too many dollars uh, chasing too few goods. And, And that's what we're seeing out there. I mean, if you wanted to buy a car, if you wanted to buy anything for like housing, like a renovation, Anybody out there who tried to do a renovation, what was that wait time like to get a contractor or get a refrigerator? I mean, we were talking six months lead times. So what do you think that's going to do to the prices to those goods? They're going to go up, up, and up. And that's what we've seen. So you have two competing, not competing, they're all swimming in the same direction right now that are increasing the costs for consumers everywhere. And it's not just a United States thing. We're experiencing it quite a bit, but it's happening all over the world. Uh, coming out of COVID, yeah, there's no doubt, and 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 so we're not all doom and gloom. No, I we're mean, not. you know, we no, we not. we are. It's like we've said before. You know, when things are going great, we get nervous, and when things are going really bad, we get a little optimistic. So we're we're kind of in. If I was to put it in baseball terms, I think we're kind of in the sixth inning, if you would, on, on this mm-hmm. whole exercise here. So we think this is going to flow over to next year, but. I want to share with you a little anecdote of what we saw out there. So, again, we're going to get into what we're doing with our clients and what our expectations are, but just a little anecdote on the effect of rising rates. So, Dave, you you monitor the 30-year mortgage rate because you recently acquired a home, and it makes you feel good to see where rates are, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're 30-year rates today. Well, they're, last time I checked, and this was last week, they were at uh, 6.8% for okay. a 30-year conforming mortgage. Uh, uh, two weeks before that, they were they crested over seven percent, which is the first time that's happened since two thousand and nine. And what does that do to housing prices? But, well, well, you look at what the consumer can afford, and if you're increasing the amount of debt service that they are going to have to pay, the price of the house has to come down. It just does. It right? just has to. It's basic economics. Yeah. Well, and it's basic ma- banking. I mean, but you can only you can only it, it can only extend a certain amount of credit right. to an individual relative to their earning potential. Correct. That's right, so, yeah. so the by by very nature, it has to come down, right? It has to come down, and 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 that is good in a certain degree. I mean, when we were looking at houses, and a little bit before that, you were seeing you know twenty offers on a house. Okay, well, that's a little ridiculous. Of course. So we want to bring the housing prices down, but eventually it's going to come to a halt, more or less. 
and it's going to come to a breaking point. Now, I'm not saying the housing market is going to collapse, but there becomes a time where people aren't buying houses. Well, and that's different than 08, totally. 09, where, 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 where what happened there was people couldn't get money right. to buy a house the, the because banks the were banks were a disaster. Yeah, correct? they were in trouble. So, so this higher rate, and we're, we're using this as an example because it, it, it's the one that most everyone can relate to, mm-hmm. but that has an, uh, it has a wealth effect on people. So they don't feel quite as wealthy if they don't have as much equity in their home. It also means they can't afford to pay as much for what a seller is wanting to get. And, and that, that shifts the market. And so there's a lag effect that occurs over a period of six to nine months before this stuff really starts reflecting <clears throat> itself in the inflation numbers, don't you think? Oh, totally. And that's why you see um, you know, people talking about the Federal Reserve. Does the Federal Reserve have the tools to combat this crazy inflation that we're seeing? Some say yes, some say no. And I'll give you an example, like you were just talking about with consumers. If you have... Consumers out there who are, lo- are down 25% in their 401k, okay? One, they don't feel as rich. Two, their housing, if they're looking for a house, they can't afford as much as they could before. That has takes away some of the wealth effect. And behavior finance is a real thing. If people start getting a little bit less confident in their spending and they don't feel as rich, that's when they start making different buying decisions. And that could have an effect on demand. Well, not only could it have an effect on demand, I mean, this is just one anecdote, yeah. but, you know, we're sitting over at Jason's Deli the other day having a sandwich. Love mm-hmm. that place. Mm, love, the, love the ice cream. And the That's ice cream one of my for favorite lunch. Things. That's always so, fun. So Dave and I are sitting there, and we're looking around. The place is packed, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go just walk up to some random people and ask them some economic questions. So this poor guy comes walking by, and he's wearing, he's wearing a Coca-Cola T-shirt. Older gentleman. I'd say he's probably late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. We said, hey, uh, sir, do you mind if we ask you a couple questions? We're financial advisors. He was super cool. And we said, you know, what, what do you think about the economy right now and, and just the, the general sentiment? Dave, what did, he, what did he share? What example did yeah. he provide to us that, that, that really articulates kind of what we're talking about? He, 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 we were just trying to get his mood on what he thought of the economy was. And so what he said was he uh, recently sold a rental property. He then bought land outside the city to build a house. But in the midst of that, interest rates have climbed so dramatically since then that he has stopped the building of his house because he just doesn't want to pay the additional <laughs> the additional rates you're seeing out there in the mortgage rates. So, so his whole project, what he was going to do for him and his family, is totally totally put on ice yeah. at the moment. And and you could you could extrapolate that across the entire economy. Now, now fundamentally, he still owns the land. Yeah. He still has a goal to build a house. We have another client that's within 3 years of retiring recently bought a piece of land outside yes. of Atlanta. They're wanting to sell their home and and build their their retirement home and again, they're waiting because mm-hmm. prices are high and rates are high and so on and so forth. So, so What's good about it is people still want to do things, but they're waiting. Right. And, and, and that has a natural effect of letting the the heat in the economy dissipate a little that's bit. That's right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, and that's what we want. We want we need to get back rebalanced again. And and that that that's gonna happen as these rates stay high. 
things should come back to a more normalized level. And that should also be helped by, we were just talking a moment ago about the participation rate and the employment, the, the, the labor pool, correct? Yeah, yeah, we were just looking about it. Because the guy we were talking to at Jason's Deli uh, made the point that, hey, people think we're really busy because we are. Uh, but that's because we have uh, so many positions on our team that we need to fill. So all the people that are there now are just working their working their butts off. So, you know, they're busy. And so that made us look at, you know, w- w- we asked, where the hell did all these workers go after COVID? Well, we knew that they they retired early. I mean, you look at Delta, that's a hometown company. So many pilots retired early. Totally. Delta. I mean, it, 100%. Caused, it wreaked all sorts of havoc earlier this year with all the cancellations. But uh, that's that has happened across the board in almost every industry. And when we looked at the participation rate, it is lower now and, and after COVID going back any time before or since 2002. So you have less people in the workforce now after COVID than you did before. So I guess if you're listening and you're newly out of college or you're going to be getting out of college soon, you ought to be pretty excited because it sounds like there's a lot of job opportunities. Yeah, I mean, and and you think about like, so we went into the labor force, me and my wife, in 2008. Well, that was not a very good time to get a job. I mean, she got a job and then the market hit. That was a very tough time to find a job. That's totally different than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and I, I suppose really what, what we're trying to get to here is is that while the market has, has corrected a good bit this year, and as we've stated in previous podcasts, some of that's just simple math, right? I mean, yeah. companies are valued based upon their projected future cash flows, and those projections get discounted by an interest rate. Yep. And the higher the interest rate, the less valuable those future cash flows are, and it's reflected in stock prices. Secondarily, Higher interest rates affect demand and pricing. Uh, An individual buying a home can't afford as much home if interest rates are higher. So these two things, they go hand in hand. But Dave, you know, like a a grandfather clock that's got the the, the pendulum, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the thing is swinging to the left and to the right, eventually it goes back to a point, whether it's on the left or the right, where it stops that's and right. It swings back the other way, right? That's exactly right. It's nature. That's Business. nature. And that's what the market is waiting for right now. So, you know, I'll give you one example. And I believe this was uh, as of Thursday. Okay. Watching the news, uh, the, the jobs report comes out that shows that there were 13,000 more jobs than was expected. So you see that and you're like, oh, that's great. That's really good news for the economy. Yeah. You know, more people have jobs than they expected. Well, we're so late in this economic cycle where good economic news uh, takes away from what the stock market is predicting because when you see a strong labor force, that means more dollars out there in the economy, inflation could persist, and the Federal Reserve would be forced to raise interest rates even more. So that's why you saw a big 2% decline in the market from good economic news. Well, and and what's interesting is, what's interesting is, is we're starting to see, we're starting to see some things pop up that are that are interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, we want to spend the last couple of minutes we have with you on what are we doing? What are we doing? This this is you know look we're cautious, we're cautiously optimistic. Um, things go in in waves, mm-hmm. and uh, what we've been doing with our clients is a couple things uh, to sort of wait out the storm. Uh, there, there's, there's one thing that 
that we are not doing generally, and that is just being 100% in cash because if we are, number one, we don't know where the bottom is going to be. We're one headline away from the trend shifting, right? Mm -hmm. Again, we don't know where the pendulum, the momentum stops. So to be all cash, you could could miss the very bottom, and that's that right. wouldn't be good. And then and then and then secondarily, um, you know, you're losing buying power by just sitting in cash. You know, if you're if if the CPI, if inflation's eight percent and I'm earning two, I'm losing six percent nominal buying power. So right. two elements that are there that are keeping us from being all cash. Dave, what have we been doing here recently, uh, for those listeners out there that might want to kind of Think about how can they prepare themselves for the, for the next six to nine months, and where do we see things going? Yeah, I mean, and this certainly isn't a recommendation for anybody, but just where our heads are is on the equity side. I'll cover the equity. I'll let you cover the fixed income. Okay. But uh, on the equity side, what we've done is we've really tilted away from growth companies. Uh, we've tilted away from smaller, mid-cap companies and international, and we focus our attention on companies uh, that have very strong balance sheets, they have consistent cash flows, and they return capital, meaningful capital, to the owners of the company or the shareholders. And so when you're thinking of uh, equities and you're, and you're thinking about a downdraft in the market, what type of company can withstand a big hit in the market economically? And we're trying to invest in companies like that that have strong balance sheets and pay really nice dividends, or they have growing dividends that they pay. And so that's what we're doing on the uh, on the uh, equity side, Jay. What 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 do we what else are we doing on the fixed income side? So on the fixed income side, you know, it kind of really caught us by surprise because it happened really really quickly. You know, there yeah. was, you know, if you're if you're if you're sitting on money in a bank, mm-hmm. the banks are the last to raise their cost of funds to depositors, e.g., the rate that they pay you. Yeah. Whether it's the money market rate or even the CD rate, a lot of them are teaser rates. Literally overnight, we saw uh, rates on three-month T-bills go from almost nothing to now you can get three and a quarter, mm-hmm. 3.3% on U.S. government T-bills. That means in 90 days they become mature. Yeah. And what that has done is it's also shown the, the, the banks that, that, that attract institutional depositors, not not retail, not you walk into your Wells Fargo branch. I'm saying right. institutional money. Those those banks are paying institutional rates to C D buyers in the three point three to three point four percent range. Yeah, for three months. For three months. Um, and so we're we're picking up some yield there mm-hmm. in the hopes that 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 we'll see some normalization end of Q1, middle of Q2 next year. In other words, we, we think that this year is going to end up being somewhere between a 20 and 30% downdraft. Mm-hmm. Right now we're down 25. We could rally 5% into the end of the year. We could go another 5% down. So somewhere between negative 20 and negative 30 for this year. And then in the first quarter of 2023, the turn of the calendar always does funky things. It always does. And so you could see some volatility in Q1 uh, and get another 10 to 20% downdraft before things kind of bottom out. And then we start to enter into the presidential election cycle. Mm-hmm. Things kind of bottom out. The Fed starts to indicate that it's kind of done with its tightening because things have slowed down sufficiently. 
what we do know generally is the Fed will over tighten. Yeah. Because it's a lot of the data they're looking at is lagging. Yeah, I know. So they're not talking to the Coke guys like saying, "Hey, I'm not going to do anything because it's right. too expensive." Okay, so they're going to need to see a recession, and and that'll probably really manifest itself in the, you know, first, second, third quarters of next year. But the market discount six months out, so you start to see things start to turn around in the middle of next year. We believe. So yeah. So what we're doing. We're buying good quality companies. Mm-hmm. We're buying short duration fixed income, high quality that's paying out decent rates of return, so that we're positioned for when things bottom out to get back more long in the equity market. That's right. So that's what we got going on, everybody. If you've got any questions, thoughts, or feedback, as always, please feel free to reach out to us. You can get to us through MontereyWealth.com. And as always, uh, if you find this useful and insightful, please do share this with your friends, your coworkers, and your family. Uh, Take care, everybody. Good luck, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. The information in our podcast are the opinions and viewpoints of the moderators and guests only. For information and disclosures regarding Monterey Wealth and its professionals, please go to www.montereywealth.com and select the firm disclosures link under the About tab.